In the last class, we were just having the introduction of the Vivek Churamani. We have started our class here actually in the last class. And there we indicated that the entire Vivek Churamani is in the form of question and answer, where the disciple is asking some questions to his guru. And Guru will be replying the questions asked by the disciple. So we will find actually seven questions were asked by the Shishya and the last class we were discussing. What are the seven questions which the disciple asked his Guru? The first question is, what is Bandha? What is bondage? The second question is, how does it arise? What is the cause of bondage? How does it arise? And once it arises, how does it continue? Because we know that there's a, in our scriptures, we speak of transmigration, the cycle of birth and death. As long as we are in ignorance, this cycle of birth and death continues. So how does that ignorance continue? The fourth question is, how can one be released from it? And the fifth question is, after asking that, that he has heard, the disciple has heard that there is something called the Atman, the Self. What I see is an Atman. So he asks what actually is an Atman? And the sixth question is what is Paramatman? And how to distinguish between the Atman and the Anatman? That's the seventh question. So these are the seven questions which the disciple asks at the very beginning of Vivek Churamani, which will be answered by the Guru elaborately, and that constitutes the entire Vivek Churamani. So now, we'll find that the Guru, instead of giving answer in sequence, as the questions has been asked, he first takes up the fourth question. The fourth question was that, how we can be released from the bondage. So naturally the question comes that why he took the fourth question first. So just to understand that, in the last class we were speaking of an allegory, a simile, that suppose a, a house has caught fire. The man is caught in a house on fire. So what will he do? Will he just sit down and think how the house has got fire? What is the cause of it? Or first, what will he do first? First, he will just run out of the house. The first impulse will be to somehow quench the flames and escape death. The other things, the how the fire, uh, uh, the house caught fire. This question he can ask later. So that's why Guru takes that as the primal question. Though it is the fourth question, he first takes up that question, the fourth. 
that that how it can be uh, we can be released from the bondage and then he goes to the the fifth question that he takes up the fifth question that what is anatman because to understand that how to get rid of the bondage then first you have to distinguish between the anatman and the atman non self and self and vivek churamani being one of the treatises prakarana grantha it very elaborately deals with all the factors which determines this world which includes even our psychophysical existence as anatman so what are the characteristics which indicates that these are not the self the first thing they say it is sthula it's gross whether it is our sukshma sharira compared to the self it is gross and it is something which we possess our self is something which is our identity we never say i body we will say my body my hand my feet my mind it speaks of possession it doesn't speak of my identity just the way i possess a pen i possess the laptop i possess so many things i possess my body that's why i say my body my hand even instinctively we never identify ourselves with the body suppose uh, for some accident someone limb has to be amputated he never feels that i am 70% me he still the full me so it is all possessions which doesn't speak of his identity so all these things are something which is possessed whether it be the external world or it's his own psychophysical existence and again the ultimate self is not an aggregate in this world whatever we see it's an aggregate which again speaks of that it cannot be the self and for that in yoga shastra in sankhya philosophy they resort to a particular type of logic the logic is they say it in sankhya philosophy is a sutra they call sanghato parartatvat that whenever uh, various aggregates make a whole various aggregates various constituents come together to make something which is a whole you will find that the whole in no way serves the purpose of any of its constituents just to give an example the room where i am sitting this room is made up of bricks it has timber the there is uh, tiles the table the furnitures all these constitutes this room but does the room serve any purpose for the bricks does the brick in any way gets a help from this room no the room doesn't serve purpose for any of its constituents doesn't serve purpose for the bricks for the timber for the floor tiles for nothing it serves purpose for someone who is para who is apart from this constituent we who don't we are not a part of we are not a constituent of this room we come from outside we use this room for meditation for prayer for classes scriptural classes so it is we who are using who are not the constituent so it's a very significant uh, logic which has been used in yoga shastra in shankhya philosophy which even vedanta 
resorts to that if there is an aggregate know it for certain it cannot be the ultimate someone else must be there for whom that aggregate is met so everything our body our mind everything speaks of something aggregate so it cannot be the ultimate self so anything which is made of part which is an aggregate it cannot be the self again it is composed of three gunas trigunatmaka this sattva raja tama we will go to the discussion elaborately when we take this slokas but where just to give an overall impression of what we are going to study in the introduction we are just going to just say that as it is triguna made of three gunas sattva raja tama in short we can say uh, sattva speaks of all stimuli it illumines raja speaks of reaction response when i see a flower as per my temperament i may go out pluck pluck it and may offer it in the altar or i may make it for a nice vase and keep it in the dining table as per my temperament my response will be based on that stimuli so all the stimuli speaks of sattva response speaks of rajas and what is tamas tamas actually speaks of all the impressions which are already there in my mind that's why uh, you will find in the scripture they say that uh, the panchabhuta the tanmatras they are tamas what the uh, tanmatra is most of us will be interpreting tanmatra as the constituents by which the any material is met actually tanmatra doesn't mean that tanmatra the sanskrit word is tat matra means only that it speaks of piece meal perception when i'm seeing the red flower the redness the entire flower is not perceived in one part in one uh, center of my brain the brain which is the organ of the mind you can say the mind is working through the brain it is not actually perceived in one part how it is perceived the redness is perceived in the color perception center the shape of the flower is perceived in a center which is meant for the perception of the shape the fragrance is perceived in the the smell perception center so all these are piecemeal perceptions and all these piecemeal perceptions speaks of what all the ideas of those perceptions are already in the mind they are dormant they are in the dark when the external stimuli enters they get activated the red light the red color of the flower which i see is not outside there it is already in my mind when the stimuli comes in that redness is projected by the mind so they are all hidden in the mind so all those impressions which are already there in your mind your mind is not something vacant it is not a tabula rasa it's not vacant all those impressions are there the external world acts as a stimulant to activate them and once they are activated as per our temperament we respond so the entire world which we see which we perceive to which we react is trigunatmak it speaks of this stimuli response conditioning the self is something beyond that so anything which is trigunatmak cannot be the self so that's the idea which will be spoken of that anything of this world is ashuddha is impure anything that can be cleansed the mind can be cleansed the body can be cleansed so what anything which can be cleansed cannot be the self 
the mind can be purified, the body can be cleansed. So this is ashuddha, the self is pure. The other thing is, it is not, anything in this world is not trikal anavadhita. Means what? That we were born at certain point of time. We, are, we exist for certain period of time. And then as a physical body, we have to die at certain point of time. So for us, our existence is restricted by the phases of time, past, present and future. It is restricted. But for the self, it is unavadhita. It is unrestricted. Un is in, used in the sense of negation. Avadha. Avadha is used in the sense of that which is unrestricted. When you use the anpratya before it, it negates that. So your our existence is restricted by the three phases of time. At certain point I was not there. At certain time I won't be there. But the self is trikal avadhita satya. It is always there. It is beyond sharavikara. So it is limited by space. This Anything in this world is limited by space, time and objects. They call it desha kala vastu parichinna. Anything. That when I am sitting here, of course I am not uh, in some other place. When I am in my center, I am not, of course, in the city. That's, I am desha parichinna, kala parichinna. That the, when I say that I, three years back, the, that I was young, now I am older, the same person, three years back, is not the same person who is now. So we, Desh, are all desha parichinna that we exist at certain period of time in certain space we don't exist for all the phases of time in everywhere we don't exist and vastu parichinna when i i say i am this i am mist, i am a i am of course not b a pot is not a ornament and the ornament is not the pot so vastu parichinna but the self this, these are the things by which gradually they are trying to bring home the nature of the self. Anything which is opposite to that is the self. The self is desha kala vastu aparichinna. It is not uh, any way local. It is non-local. It exists everywhere. It permeates everything. It permeates all the phases of time. It permeates all the objects. So that way, it is desha kala vastu aparichinna. And then these are the terminologies which we'll be using. It Once you understand it, it's a very simple thing. But the terminologies make it difficult. They say it is drishta nashta swabhava. In this world, everything is drishta nashta swabhava. What it means? What I see now won't be there through eternity. It is going to be destroyed. So it is drishta nashta swabhava. It is produced, kritaka. And that is, it is an effect, means it has a cause, anything has a cause. The self is eternal, that has no cause, everything is kritaka. It is known, anything which is known cannot be the self. It is gaya, it is not the gyata. It is within the domain of maya, maya dhin, it is not maya dhish. It is paratantra, it is not swatantra. It has, for its existence, it has to depend on something else. That even for our existence, we need food. For anything that we find that exists because of something, it is that's why they are all paratantra. So after saying that, 
the sixth question uh, is what is the paramatman so there after eliminating that what is anatman the guru will proceed to will help the shishya to determine the nature of the atman so what is the nature of atman we will find that through various slokas about 10 some characteristics will be mentioned that it is self existent nothing is required for its existence to substantiate its existence it is self existent it is it is eternal uh, the reference of what is signified by aham so when you say aham it actually indicates that self whether we know it or not the real when i say i that the one the referral point of that i the ultimate referral point of i is the self it is a witness of all the three mental states jagrata swapna shushupti it is the witness of all that it is different from the panchakosha this all will be discussed in details we are just giving a overall view the panchakosha the annamaya that we identify ourselves with our body with our mind with our intellect with our vitality with these vital forces and when we are in deep sleep the joy the bliss which comes from the deep sleep state the ananda so we identify with all these various levels of existence the self is something beyond that it is beyond the panchakosha it is vibhu it is all pervading it is the thing which illumines everything because of that everything uh, whatever i see exists because of the self you take away the self nothing exists as sri ramakrishna used to say after one you go on putting zero the value goes on increasing you remove the one it is zero just after one you put a zero it becomes 10 100 1000 10000 100000 the value will go on increasing you remove the one nothing remains so he is the one the self is the one because of whom because of whom the entire existence is without it there is no existence so it is he is the one who is illuminating everything he is the inmost self of all he is beginningless there is no beginning because he is eternal and it is of the nature of satchidananda now after saying that the self has no attributes when you say that self is satchidananda it appears to be apparently contradictory the thing which has no attributes how can you say it is satchidananda satchidananda speaks of three attributes sat chit ananda these are the three attributes once you say the self is beyond attributes and then you say satchidananda so actually the word satchidananda is a negation of three limitations which we experience in our life what is what are the limitations sat sat as what is sat defined as the truth is defined as that which is trikal avadhita whose existence is not interrupted by three phases of time now as per a, a, a limited being as per our psychophysical existence is concerned we were born at certain point of time we are going to die at certain point of time and as long as we live we go through sharavikara six changes jayate asti vardhate viparinamate apakshyate nasti so these six changes we are going through that we are born we exist we grow we transform and then the old age comes the decay process starts and then the death comes but the self is beyond that so when you say sat it is actually negation of the idea of limited existence which we have as per our psychophysical existence is concerned 
it is something beyond that it transcends that then the question comes yes even in science they say that nothing can be destroyed that we even as this psychophysical existence may not exist through eternity but my body will decompose it will become the part of the soil my vitality that also will be finding expression through some other form of energy so i do exist which is never going to die this matter or energy is interconvertible and they are indestructible in some form or other they are there so when you say that you are sat then immediately the doubt comes oh yes at last somehow the matter has conglomerated to create this consciousness as the charvakas think that consciousness is a by product of the conglomeration of matter to negate that fact they use the word chit no the ultimate reality is chit is consciousness what you see as matter that is an epiphenomenon that is not the real phenomenon that is epi that is that is a by product what i see as matter it does, doesn't exist actually the self because of ignorance is appearing as matter it's just the opposite so to stress that after saying sat that it is the eternal existence then they negate that that eternal existence is not something jada it is shuddha chaitanya it is pure consciousness that's why they use the word chit and then after that again that doubt may come okay i have understood that i am eternal and i am that awareness which is, but somehow i equate with my limited life this present life that in my life what i see that there is a constant wave sometimes i am happy sometimes i am dejected sometimes i am elated sometimes i am dejected is this polarity going to be there through eternity am i going to be just like a small uh, straw being washed away by the wave sometimes on the top of the wave sometimes the crest of the wave is that my existence is again the scripture to negate this polarity of our existence it says no it is just equanimous bliss it is something taila dharavat incessant that bliss is your nature it is always there with you what i see as this polarity is again because of ignorance so this three satchit anandi that that's that's how is not an attribute of the self it is something which is the negation of our limited sense of individuality that ananda we will understand very clearly how that it is our desires which doesn't allow us to enjoy the incessant bliss that in life when our desires are fulfilled i get happiness and i think it is the fulfillment of desires that give me happiness but actually it's not the fact our mind is like the lake that's what swami vivekananda says it's like a lake our self is as if something that like the bottom of the lake you will find <clears throat> the bottom of the lake is not visible <clears throat> if there are waves on the lake when the water is calm and transparent i can see as if the bottom of the lake that why i don't experience the bliss of the self always <clears throat> because of the thoughts and desires which are in my mind when my mind is full of thoughts and desires it the ananda gets obscured it's not visible when the desire is fulfilled <clears throat> when i have an intense desire you will find what happens 
our small desires are eaten away as and is engulfed by some <coughs> big desire intense desire <coughs> we forget everything for one intense desire and then it may so happen that your that desire gets fulfilled and for the time being there is no desire in your mind that huge wave in the form of a desire the moment it gets fulfilled for the time being there is no desire there is a, there is no desire there is a let go and the bliss you get is not because of the thing you which you got because of that let go that calm mind the bliss which is always there which was getting filtered out because of all the noises in your mind as the noises are not there that percolates through yourself that percolates through your body mind complex so it is always there our mind is filtering it out so that's the thing which the scripture is saying that by nature it is always bliss that it's, there is no polarity so that's how they negate this three limited idea for existence by saying it is satchid ananda after speaking of the nature of the paramatman the guru will now go to the first question answer the first question that what is bondage he takes up the first question next and answers that the bondage is due to the identification of the atman and the anatman and why this identification happens that's the ignorance because of that ignorance there's a nice story a glick this uh, to understand this ignorance uh, we can resort to some greek legendary character called narcissus that narcissus was extremely handsome he was a prince but he was extremely self possessed by his own beauty he will never take care of any of his responsibilities and one uh, and <clears throat> he was infatuated by his beauty so much that to see his own reflection he will be by the side of a reservoir where his reflections he will see there and he will be totally engrossed in seeing his own reflection and one day he got so much infatuated by his own reflection he took it to be real he jumped into the reservoir thinking of embracing that image that a reflection and he drowned and died so that's the greek legendary character narcissus so for us also the same thing has happened seeing our reflection in the psychophysical existence the reservoir called the psychophysical existence we take we take it to be real that's the agyana we take it to be real and we as if jump into it and that's the cause of our spiritual death so the first question what is bondage the bondage is because we identify the self identifies with its reflection in the, in the anatman and takes that to be the real and this identification of the atman and the anatman is the cause of the bondage and then he goes to the second question that how did it arise it is because of the ignorance and then uh, in this our the vivek churamani will describe that the ignorance uh, has two types of uh, shakti these two types of expression one is called the avarana shakti and another is the vikshepa shakti so what are they now let us resort to that common example which we always give that actually the self has not become the universe the self has not become the psychophysical existence as the jiva the self is as it is because of ignorance it appears as the jiva it appears as the jagat appears as the world as the universe it appears as these individual beings how it happens 
They say it is just because of ignorance. Just the way a rope is lying in the twilight hours, I see it as a snake. The snake is not there. In the twilight hours, because of insufficient light, somehow the rope is visualized as snake. The rope has not actually become the snake. So it is because of our ignorance. Something is appearing as something else. And that's the actual meaning of the word maya. Maya means, ya means yatha yatha, as it is. Ma is used in the sense of negation. That whatever I am seeing is not as it is. Ma ya. Ma is negation. Ya is yatha yatha, as it is. So it is, whatever I am seeing is not as it is. The self is appearing as this word. So for anything to appear as something else, what is what are the two factors? First is, the real, its real nature should be concealed. The rope, I don't see the rope as rope. So the nature of the rope is concealed. That is avarana. And then what happens? Then it is projected as something else. That is vikshepa. So these avarana and the vikshepa, this too is responsible for seeing the self as this projected universe. The tamasic component of Agyana is the Avarana Shakti. It, the Avarana, it conceals. And then the Rajasic aspect is the Vikshepa. I, once its real nature is concealed, my mind will be conjuring it as something else. Even from the modern, uh, these terms sometimes appear to be very technical. But with the modern science, when we try to understand, we'll find that how wonderfully they have understood this, the nature of the universe thousands of years back which with the help of modern science, we have started understanding. Our mind is constantly hallucinating that how the Avarana and Vikshepa happens, that Vedanta says that we cannot deny existence, that existence is, that easiness, the amness, I cannot deny that. But what I'm seeing, that is something which is because of the Vikshepa. When I see the red flower, Actually, what something is there. It is not that it is my imagination, but what is there I never know. Why? Even modern science will say you that when light falls on that flower, light has no color. It is a it is just various wavelengths. They have no color. Even Newton knew it. It is Newton's writing, it is there. It has no color. The wavelengths of light fall on the flower and one wavelength is reflected, others are all absorbed. That particular wavelength, that also has no color. It comes and strikes the retina of your eye. Once it strikes there, the function of light is over. The brain is dark, where the light is perceived, it is dark. There no light enters there. But the moment that particular wavelength of light touches your retina, the retina now will be transmitting some optical nerve currents. Those nerve currents, when it reaches your brain, the color perception center is actually not color perception. It is projecting the color. The moment it activates that brain center, which is extremely dark, no light enters there. It projects the light. It projects that red color and it goes and envelops the flower to make you feel that the flower is red. All the attributes, the smell, everything is a projection of the mind. What is there, I can never know. So now you will understand that why Vedanta asserts the fact. Even modern science will understand that. 
will we'll ascribe to that that what I am seeing is just the projection of the mind. It is just the weak shaper. The real truth has been concealed. So I cannot deny is necessary. Here there is a basic difference between the Buddhism and Vedanta. In Buddhism the, they believe in subjective idealism. They say everything is a conjured, the mind has conjured up. The world ex doesn't exist. The mind has, it, with its own imagination has created this world. But Vedanta says no, there is some existence there. But what it is we can never know with our mind and senses. The mind is there to project that isness in the form of this Panchabhuta. This all or this entire world is nothing but this, uh, this Rupa Rasha, Gandhas, Parsha and Shabda. Nothing beyond that. These all conglomerates to create this world. That's why this world is called Prapancha. Prakrishta Rupena Pancha. These five senses, they mix up. They prepare a hodgepodge like khichdi to prepare this universe. That's why Prakrishta Rupena. These five things are mixing up to create this universe. So now you will understand this Ahavarana Shakti and Vikshepa Shakti. That something is there as existence. It is non-local. It is all-pervading. We with our mind when are trying to perceive, it appears as this world of name and form. Just like light passing through the prism breaks into the spectrum of seven colors. Similarly, it is the Atman which is coming in association with the mind, is breaking into the spectrum of this world of name and form. So that's the idea to explain this. They're saying there's Ajnana. That how that Ajnana has this, uh, it has arised, it has uh, originated. It is because of this Avarana Shakti. The reality has been concealed. And after it has been concealed, it has been projected as something else. The rope, real nature of the rope is concealed. It is projected as the snake. So similarly, in the desert when you are passing through, you see the huge reservoir. It's a mirage. The danger, as long as the desert is there, it is there. When the desert is not there, you cannot see the mirage. If the rope is not there, you cannot see the snake. So something has to exist, which is perceived as something else. If the rope is not there, the snake is also not there. But the rope is always there. The snake is just for the time being. The moment my ignorance started, in the twilight hours, I saw it as a snake. The, when I saw it, it appears as the snake. It is still the rope. How long it remains as a snake? As long as my ignorance is continuing. Someone brings the torch and just focuses it there and says, see, 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 it's not the snake. You are getting scared for no reason. It is just a rope. So then my ignorance breaks. So as long as the ignorance is there, the snake is there. So that's why it is Vyavaharika Satya. As long, it is just truth for the time being. When I see it as a snake, for the time being, I may react as if the real snake is there. I may go and bring a stick and all these are okay for the time being. But they have no utility as such as for the eternity is concerned. It is not the Paramarthik Satya. It is just the truth for the time being. As long as I am in that ignorance, it functions. So, after saying that in the seventh question, it will go that how to distinguish between the Atman and the Anatman. So we, now that that answer will be found in the different contexts throughout the work. The Shishya who has been analyzing as instructed by the Guru, uh, that first he will be analyzing that all the koshas, that you are not the body, you are not the mind, you are not the Annamaya kosha, you are not the Manomaya kosha, you are not the Pranamaya kosha, 
you don't have the vijnana maya kosha you don't have the intellect you don't have the ananda maya kosha the bliss which we enjoy when any desire is satisfied when the mind is totally calm or when i am in deep sleep so identify myself with that i am not that even i am something beyond that so when the teacher asked the shishya to analyze and dis- distinguish his amness from all these various layers of his identification the shishya will have a doubt he will ask then what i am i am nothing i am just am i only a void and then the guru will give a nice nice answer the one who is witnessing the void is the self the one who is witness someone is witnessing the void someone is witnessing that i am when i say i am nothing that someone is as if witnessing that nothingness the one who is doubting the existence of the self is the self the one who is witnessing the void behind these five layers of existence is the self so very nice you will find it's full through analysis it will take you to that conviction intellectual conviction that the self do exist which is been projected as a universe the guru replies that one who witnesses the void that objectless subject is the atman very nice term will be used the objectless subject when i am seeing something the world you close your eyes you close your ears everything still you are aware of your amness that pure amness which nothing is restricting is that the self no that also is being at that sense of amness is actually the ego which is finding expression through the mind because when i feel that i am that amness is localized i may close my eyes i may close my ears i may close my senses but i can never get rid of the idea that i am sitting somewhere so that idea of amness is localized the scripture asserts that when you through sadhana go beyond mind that amness is still there but it loses its locality to give an example you will understand that how that amness loses its locality sometimes after on the weekend after lunch you have a nice siesta that after lunch on the working day of course you cannot have that luxury of that siesta that nap after lunch you are to you are working the other days but on the weekend so that you can now relax so you have a heavy meal and then in the afternoon you just have a nap for about an hour or one and a half hours whatever it may be and as it's something unusual hours you never sleep you wake up at that time the amnes is still there but it is beyond the desha kal nimitta just to give an example it happens you will find sometimes it so happens uh, it's a cloudy day in the afternoon you got up and you just went took the your toothbrush and just applied that paste on it and you were about to brush why because you are confused about the time you are not aware that actually that amnes is there for the time being as you have just got up you are not aware whether it is morning or it is as you are never habituated in sleeping in the afternoon hours you take it as if it is the morning because generally you get up in the morning so you are not aware of the time sometimes it so happens that you have changed the direction of your bed that you was probably sleep with uh, your head on the east and so that the wall is on your left side and now you change the direction one day you just keep your pillow on the west side and so your wall is on the uh, right uh, it becomes uh, on the right side so when you wake up your habit is always to get down from the left side when you are sleeping on the east 
Now, the other day may have changed the direction, you will go and crash in the wall because you just try to get up there. So why I'm saying this, that the idea of when you get up from the slip, you're yet to develop an identification with the body. That amnes, as if to a certain extent, represents that amnes which we realize when we go beyond our mind and senses. That pure amnes, which transcends the idea of space-time causation. That pure amnes, that is the objectless subject. So that, the Guru replies, that's the one who is witnessing the three states of your existence. Jagrat, Sapna, Sushupti. The state of waking, the state of dream state, the state of deep sleep state. It is you who are witnessing. That's the pure amnes. That's the objectless. That's the Turiya, which is beyond these three states. And it is a Sakshi of all these three. But at the same time, it is Turiya. It is beyond that. So even when these three states are not that, you still are there. When the three states are there, you are witnessing them. And when they are not there, you are still there. It's not that uh, with the uh, when the three steps are not there, Jagrat, Swapna, Sushupti, that my existence is, gets annihilated. So it's something beyond that. It's the Turiya. So after speaking of this, the Guru will expound the nature of Atman encased in every individual. That is known as the Tvam Padartha. In the equation, he will, now he will take the equation Tat Tvamasi, that what is meant by Tvam what is the Tvam Padartha and what is the Tat Padartha that he will take. It's very, very analytical, but at the same time, it's really very interesting the way they have used the logic to take you to the idea of the self, the self which is within me, the self which is behind the universe is actually the same. The Atman is one with the Brahman. That is done with this Tat Tvam Padartha Shodhanam. By purification, that I, may, I get rid of all the attributes of the Tat Padartha, I get rid of all the attributes of the Tvam Padartha, and the thing which remains is the Self, which is the same. And the I am Brahman, that Aham Brahmasmi, that I realization comes through that Tat Tvam Padartha Shodhanam. So that the next Guru will proceed after distinguishing Atman and Anatman. Now he will go to this Tat Tvam Padartha Shodhanam. First he will take this Tvam Padartha Shodhanam. That what he is saying, that uh, he will, that distinguishing the world, first he has already done with the, Tat Padartha has already done, that you are beyond the Jagrat Swapna Shushupti, you are the self who is witnessing the three states. By that he has done the, this Tvam Padartha Shodhanam, he has already done. Now he will take the Tat Padartha Shodhanam. What is that? That distinguishing the world from Brahman. It is pointed out that this world is not real. Why? Because it is trikal, it is not trikal avadita. Even we know that this world, the these planets, the stars, they may ex they may be for billions of years, but they have a beginning, they do have an end. So they are not trikal avadita. They are all deshakala vastu aparichinna, just the way I did it for my own psychophysical existence. The same things are applied here also. It is Desha Kalavastu Aparichinna. It is the world cannot be said to be uh, at the same time, though it is Desha Kalavastu Aparichinna, though it is Trikal Avadita. But I cannot say it is unreal. Why? Because I am experiencing it. So here there is a subtle difference between the Buddhism and Vedanta. In Buddhism, the world is unreal. The Vedanta says that no, it's not unreal. 
you are experiencing it something is appearing as something else it is not pure imagination alika is on that imagination that in vedanta asatya is not alika alika is what i just sit down close my eyes and think and uh, just built a huge castle in the air i can imagine it. i can imagine there is a castle in the air but is it ever possible i can think of a rabbit with horns i can think with my even i can draw a rabbit with a horn but in reality is it possible so these are all imaginations the exist the, the the external world it is not there i can just simply imagine so vedanta when they say this world is unreal it is not in the sense that it doesn't exist at all something is there i am experiencing so i cannot say it is asat i cannot say it is sat because it doesn't exist for all the three phases of time it it is not desha kala vastu aparichinna it is limited by space it is limited by time it is limited by objects the earth is not the mars the mars is not the earth so that way they are all desha kala vastu parichinna so it is neither sat and as i am experiencing so it is neither asat so vedanta says it is something sat asat vilakshana it cannot be a mixture it is vilakshana it is something apart from the way we define everything as real and unreal in our life whatever i see is real whatever i don't see is unreal so here vedanta how nicely is saying that it is sat asat vilakshana it is something different from both as i am experiencing it i cannot simply say it is unreal but i know something is which is being experienced as something else and when it is being experienced as something else then the question of time comes the thing which is beyond that that is timeless but when it is projected it becomes a flow and whenever there is a flow the question of time comes the question of space comes so all this comes because it is being projected as something else so i cannot say it is sat neither it is asat it is sat asat vilakshana it is something beyond both sat and asat which has been termed as mithya the mithya doesn't mean alika that it doesn't exist it is not like that something is existing but i do not know its real nature i take it as something else that's that's what we are saying that that's the real meaning of the word maya the something which i cannot see as it is it is the negation of that so that is mithya that is maya but the brahman the, sup- the supreme reality is ekam eva advitiyam so when anything alone exists automatically it becomes desha kala parichinna when there is something apart from me then there is a question of what i am is not that object when you alone exist then there is no question of desha ka that to distinguish you with some space time causation you are beyond that so the, so just see the how wonderfully this logic has been used it is ekam eva advitiyam it alone exists one without the second there is no idea of second there it alone so the automatic desha kala and vastu this thing falls off it is kevala chaitanya swarupa that generally in the western psychology they say that we are the mind in the body the mind is interacting with the body that was what the father of the western psychology he uh, propounded the descartes he propounded that the and in western psychology the mind is equated with the soul this this our we are the mixture of mind and the body very interesting 
some common a, a, a royal lady who was not educated in the so-called academic education she objected to this Descartes idea she told just show me where mind is working through the body is it a, can you show in the present world in the entire artificial intelligence is that they are trying to prove there is no need for mind beyond the body it just works by itself the entire western science is trying that that to show that there cannot be mind really acting on the body it's just they are trying to prove what after all it is all chemistry there's the various hormones enzymes various electric impulses they are just like an artificial intelligence they are making uh, appear us as a living organism there is nothing chaitanya as such it's all matter so this too this is a uh, what you say that a, a constant argue, fight between idealism and realism idealism says there is only is this, it is a consciousness which is the main thing on which is acting on the uh, so called the jara and the realist the so called the realistics will say it is the consciousness actually is not there the jara conglomerates to give that idea of uh, consciousness which is an epiphenomenon this fight is going on vedanta very nicely has said that it is that when it is the same reality it is actually kevala chaitanya it is not that there is a conglomeration of jara and chaitanya that when i see the snake then i don't see the rope does it ever happen that i see the rope and the snake at the same time it never happens because of ignorance when i am seeing the rope as the snake i see only the snake and when the ignorance vanishes i see only the rope does it ever happen that the rope and snake a coexist is never happen so vedanta says that jara and chaitanya never coexist it is only chaitanya because of ignorance it is appearing as jara when the ignorance falls off you see it only chaitanya so how just see the logic has been used wonderfully to take it was really the marvel you know, the shankaracharya's marvel that intellect you will find that how logically analytically he is taking you to some conclusion which with your rational mind you can never deny if you are not biased if you are just thinking with a rational mind just try to understand the logic has been used you find a wonderful thing in those days they have propounded so it is kevala chaitanya it is avang manasagocharam it is beyond your speech beyond your mind the anything which comes within your speech and mind immediately the this question of objectifying comes it cannot be objectified it cannot be gaya the gyata cannot be the the real gyata the ultimate gyata can never be the gaya just to give an example to understand that that when swami vivekananda in the west was meditating one day in his room a small child as he was the guest of some american devotees so the small child of that family entered that room and he never understood what meditation is he seeing swami is sitting quietly he silently came and sat on the lap of swami vivekananda and naturally swami vivekananda got up from his meditation when he came and sat on his lap and swami ji had a wonderful smile and looked at the child the moment he looked at the child the child asked the question whether god is swami ji told yes god is because uh, the child had that much of intelligence that he is after all a monk who believes in god he asked that question whether god is he told yes god is and the very next question very plain question then why don't i see him 
And Swami Vivekananda's answer was something wonderful. He just replied, can you see your own eyes? That was the reply of Swamiji. And he never understood what Swamiji told, but he re remembered his, re his reply. Much later, in, when he has grown up, he understood that with my eyes I see everything. But can I see my eyes with my own eyes? No. So, I, to be aware of my eyes, again, I have to, the mind has to, the, it is a mind which is uh, synthesizing all the perceptions which are having through the mind, varied perceptions. From that I can know about my eyes. So the ultimate, that's the logic which has been used in the Drik Drishya Viveka. The ultimate Gyata can never be known. If Gyata is, becomes Gaya, then again, something must be beyond that. So, so that's the thing which is being idea. This when he says, Avang Manasa, it cannot be known by the mind. It cannot be expressed through the speech because it is the ultimate Gyata. It is beyond Maya. That's the word Maya we already explained. That what I am seeing, it is not that. It is beyond that. It is beyond all the Upadhis. So what these words are wonderful. In olden days, how they understood, I don't know. But in modern science, it very, becomes very easy to understand. Upadhi. Upadhi means all the adjuncts, adjectives. When I say that flower, how I understand that flower? By its color, redness, by its fragrance, by its shape. If I say you take out that color, the shape, the fragrance, what it is? I don't know. Anything is defined only by the adjuncts. Now if I take away the adjuncts, what it is? Is this nothing is there? No, something is there. As just now we discussed, the mind is projecting that something as that red flower with that beautiful fragrance. I say it is a red rose. You take away the adjuncts, I see nothing. But is can can uh, will anyone say that there is nothing? There is something which is appearing with all those. So all those upadhis are the creation of your mind. The self is that pure amnes which is beyond all those upadhis. So that's how we will find. With use of logic, plain logic, the, the guru is explaining that what's the nature of that real self is, and then that's now you will find that that he has separated that the shodhana has been done. The, all the things which are the adjuncts of that tat and the adjuncts of the tuam. Tuam means you. That. I am in the three states of existence, Jagrat, Swapna, Sushupti, something beyond that I am. So I am Deshakala Aparichina, that the way I did that Tvam Padartha Shodhanam, that I went to some existence which is the negation of all the things which I think I am. The same way you negate the entire world, because the entire world is also Trikal Anavadhita, it is restricted, it is Deshakala Vastu. Parichinna says so something beyond that. That again, so is the thing which we are doing through that Tvam Padartha Sodhanam. And that's how you will understand the meaning that Tat Tvamasi. That we, we, when we were studying, we will be studying, we will take resort to so many uh, logic which has been actually resorted to in Vivek Churamani. They call Jahad Ajahad Lakshana. We are not going to discuss it now. Yeah, it's a bit intricate. But with that, what they say is something interesting. That I can never know the real self. It is something like you are sitting in your house, some guest came and you are saying that a river is very near to my house. And the guests ask where it is. It's very near. Where? 
So it's just, you see the tree? Now the river is not visible. You see a tree, tall tree. That tree is on the bank of the river. So this is called Tatastha Lakshana. So all these Upadhis, they are not the self, but they are the Tata. As they are there, that speaks of something beyond that. To give an example, can we ever see light? We can never see light. When light falls on some object and it gets illumined, then we become aware of the light. Otherwise, light is not visible. You may say, no. In the daytime, uh, the sky becomes illumined. That is light? No. It is the atmosphere which, this, the air particles, the atmosphere on which the light is falling. It is the part, light, it is the, all the air particles which is getting illumined to give me a feel that it is all light. If you go to space, even in daytime, when the sun is visible, it is, the, it is just there, but it will appear, the entire sky will appear dark. Because there is no, as such, these air particles are not, when you go to the space, the entire space will, the sky will appear totally black. It is not that blue, that uh, illumined sky. Though the sun is there, only the object on which it falls, that gets lighted up. We can see each other, but we cannot see the sky as such. So the light, the existence of light, we become aware when it falls on some object. So light by itself cannot be seen. Only its existence is possible, is known when it falls on some object. Gravitation itself I can never know. Only when I see an object falling, then I know that there is some gravity, something called gravitation. Otherwise, can you experience gravitation? Can you express, uh, experience magnetism unless a magnet is there and some iron filings are kept near it and there is, you feel that attraction? So all these forces are there whose existence is perceptible when some object is there. So ultimately the self, its existence can never be known. But it is there. How? Because it is the thing which is illuminating the everything. So through the Tatastha Lakshana, when you do that Tvam Padartha Shodhana, you go to the self. And so the same Tatastha Lakshana, when you do that Tvam Padartha Shodhana, you go to the self, the Ishwara behind. The Atman which is within you is the same, is the Ishwara behind his entire existence. We say it Ishwara when it gets associated with the world. And I say it Atman when it gets associated with the body. You remove the associations. Then the real essence behind the Tat and the real essence behind the Tav is a pure conscious principle which is identical and the same. So then the idea that Aham Brahmasmi comes from that when you can remove that all those uh, attributes, then you become one with that ultimate reality. So that's how through this Tattvam Padartha Shodhanam, the teacher will be taking the disciple to that idea of Brahmatmana Sangstiti, that you are, that you are Brahman. This idea, this is the thing, through this realization, he takes him through this analysis. And that is not something which is just a mere intellectual conviction. It, through this analysis, when it, this analysis is followed by meditation. Sravana, manana, nididhyasana. These words are so important. You hear what the words from the words from the mouth of the guru, and then you cogitate upon it. You get an intellectual conviction. That is manana. But that is not all. You have to now meditate on that intellectual conviction. That will take you to that real realization. That becomes this swatmanubhati, swanubhava. And that, that you realize that Brahmatmana Sanskriti. And then the purpose of the teacher is done. 
when that realization happens. So then Guru will, after saying that, the Guru will say a very interesting thing, that after hearing this, you may meditate and you may go to certain form of re realization, but don't think that it is the be-all and end-all of your spiritual journey. Be aware of the backslidings, because the vasanas are still working, ahankara is still there, and pramada, these are the three things he will be speaking of. With an example, we will try to understand it as, as simply as possible. That vasanas, ahankara and pramada. That our vasanas are like the spikes of a wheel. Innumerable vasanas there. But they are all connected to the sense of ego. That I want something. Who wants that? This is my limited sense of individuality. He wants. I want this. I want that. I want to enjoy this. I want to taste this delicacy. Everything. All those desires are hooked to that ego. That ego is the hankara, and all those innumerable desires are the vasanas. So Guru is saying, be aware of these vasanas. Be aware of this ahankara. Unless they all fall off. Don't seize your practice. The seizing of the practice is pramada. That sometimes uh, you are very much energetic, very much uh, updoing and suddenly you stop. You think that I have attained some state, you stop. Again, there is a question of sliding down. Why? Because the entire sadhana is two things. That all our vasanas can be divided into two types of vasanas. One is vyakta and another is avyakta. That all the vasanas doesn't find expression in one go in our life. Many vasanas are avyakta. It's hidden. It's there in my mind. If the external circumstances are favorable, they will sprout out. Immediately they are not visible. I have tested some delicacy. I forgot about it. And then I am passing just by the side of the restaurant where I have tested it. Immediately that memory comes. The circumstances make that avyakta vasana as vyakta. Now, in our life, as a human being, that all the desires which has resulted in this birth, they are all vyakta. And there are many avyakta vasana, which is, which is not going to manifest in this life at all. Through my renunciation, my willpower, I can get rid of the vyakta vasana. Okay, that this thing is luring me, I not uh, resort to it. But what about the avyakta vasana? It is still there. How to get rid of that? So basic renunciation is required to get rid of the vyakta vasana so that your mind becomes a bit calm. What is disturbing me at present, me at present is a vyakta vasana. Vyakta vasana is not disturbing me. So first to calm down my mind, to certain extent I have to practice that vairagya. But that is not all. Along with that, that vairagya has to be followed by the practice. In Bhagavad Gita it has been mentioned that inter-spiritual Practice speaks of two things. One is Abhyasa and another is Vairagya. Vairagya speaks of uh, willfully trying to get rid of all the desires which is disturbing me. And that way I calm down the mind. And once you calm down the mind, that mind is now to be used for Abhyasa. What is that? Constantly meditating on the fact that I am that Atman, I am the Brahman, Aham Brahmasmi. When you are doing that, a wonderful thing is happening. What is happening? This is the idea which negates the idea of limited individuality to which all the desires are linked. So the hub of the will is your ego, that I am this limited psychophysical existence. This is the hub of the will to which all the desires are linked. 
the manifested desires i am taking care of through renunciation calming down the mind and then this calm mind i am using to contemplate of the fact that i am the brahma aham brahmasmi tattvamasi vai they doing the padartha shodhanam i am just trying to identify that that one the self and that's constant like hammering the hub of the will the moment you just go on meditating even a bhakti is doing the same thing when he thinks when he is meditating on the divine a pure devotee who has no desires just want to be associated with the divine what is doing that the real me is eternal god is of course eternal and i am in eternal association with the divine and he is contemplating on that fact that is also a negation of this limited individuality it is like hammering of that ego now in the will if one spike breaks just all the vyakta vasana is like the breaking of the spikes still the will is intact because other wills other spikes are there they may be vyakta they may be object they are still there to keep the will intact but if i can get rid of the hub all the spikes will fall the entire will will collapse so now you will understand the importance of prama that to get rid of pramada practice unceasingly so that that hub is hammered out by this this you are taking care of your uh, vyakta vasana the expressed desires through vairagya and through the abhyasa with abhyasa will help you to get rid of that pramada you get rid of that idea of this limited sense of individuality and when that happens all the desires this falls off at a time the thing which has resulted in your this limited individual individuality that texture falls off but immediately it you are not going to be liberated because the force the karma which has resulted in this birth its impulse has to be exhausted so the moment you go to that realization that you are not the self you go beyond the mind you become jivan mukta nothing is there to bind you but the prarabdha has to exhaust and then with the death you go to the state of videha mukti nothing can bring you back the cycle of life and birth stops it's just like a bird flying shankaracharya gives that example that when the bird is flying it doesn't leave any footmarks it's merged with the absolute reality as ramakrishna used to say that the salt dog went to measure the depth of the ocean the moment it got down it got merged in it so this the moment that in this life that realization happens it takes you to the state of jivan mukta and when all your prarabdha is exhausted through the life it leads you to the state of videha mukta and when you have attained that state the means it's just a overview we are giving today we will conclude this introductory we will then start studying verse by verse at last shankaracharya concludes this work by saying that the guru and the shishya at last after the guru's work is done the shishya has went to that realization they part very nice this idea in ramakrishna's gospel also is given in a nice way that the a disciple went to the guru and asked me asked him please teach me and the teacher told first give me the dakshina and he told you haven't taught me and you are asking for the dakshina and then the teacher says that once i have taught you this idea that you are the disciple and i am the guru that will fall off 
who will give dakshina to whom so first you give me the dakshina so in a very joking in a very funny way sri ramakrishna indicates the same idea that the guru and shishya will part because guru has imparted the knowledge with that shishya has realized the state of that non duality they part and then the guru continues his journey he goes on sanctifying by illuminating the other other souls who are yet to be illumined so that's how in a poetic way shankaracharya will end this work just saying that the guru's work is continues even after illuminating this shishya because there are so many others who are still in the darkness he out of his unbound compassion his goes on illuminating the human kind and that's how the work will come to an end so we just gave an overall view of this wonderful prakarana grantha the treatise and from the next class onwards we will take the slokas one by one and we will study the entire scripture it's quite a big uh, prakarana grantha to have a very comprehensive idea of this this advaita vedanta of which this viveka uh, churamani is the prakarana grantha that what it speaks of what are its practices how it can take us to that ultimate realization so with this we stop our discussion today from the next class we will start the verse by verse the study of the entire viveka churamani thank you all namaskars